everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell back from his travels. I'm sorry I missed you all last week, but boy, what a week. <laughs> what a week to miss. I want to thank everybody for uh, continuing to send a lot of great articles. It's been quite a week for me to try and catch up on uh, everything that's in my email inbox. But anyway, there's two really weird stories out there, and it was a toss-up for me I'd, having to decide are we going to talk about the Israeli embassy shutdown or are we going to talk about the Brexit? And I decided that I have to talk about both, but being that the Brexit story is, uh, there's more information on it for one thing, and I think it's a little bit more important, but the Israeli embassy shutdown has me kind of um, curious because the story now is that this is due to some sort of labor dispute. In other words, all, all of the government of Israel's diplomats around the world have apparently gone on strike. And I, you know, I just have to wonder if that's the real story. I think that the real story here may be related to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's poor election performance showing in the last election, and that there's something going on inside the Israeli government right now, and the labor dispute is uh, the cover story. But anyway, the main story this week is Brexit. When I got back from my travels, I, I started watching TV, and all of a sudden, okay, Boris Johnson, we have a deal. And, you know, folks, I, I was acquainted with uh, Prime Minister Johnson. Uh, we were both at Oxford at approximately the same time, and he was involved in the Oxford Union Society politics. And that's kind of how I was acquainted with him. And he, um, he came back with this deal and then tried to get it through Parliament really quickly. And Parliament said no. And then Johnson said, well, then will you hold a general election? And Jeremy Corbyn became the first opposition leader in British history to decline the opportunity to hold a general election. Well, they just voted in the House of Commons for a general election. Now, what does all this mean? Uh, I suspect, and there's a few commentators in Great Britain, Nigel Farage is one of them. Um, there are people writing in the Telegraph and, and Times and so on that uh, one reason that Corbyn went for it is because Farage, you know, he basically had no, no other choice. But the other problem is that, is that Farage's Brexit party seems to be targeting those labor constituencies in Great Britain that voted for the Brexit. Now, not all of the Labor Party did, neither did all of the Tory party. But what really gets me is the noise started coming out almost immediately, if you were following the news in Great Britain, the news started coming out almost immediately that there was, there was not much different in this deal and that uh, that Prime Minister May had negotiated with the European Union. And, in fact, just a couple days ago, I listened to um, Mr. Farage on his radio show in Great Britain, and he made the interesting observation that the deal that Prime Minister Johnson has negotiated is really just a new treaty with the EU rather than a Brexit. 
And today, of course, you, you may have heard the results of the vote in the House of Commons yesterday. Today, of course, the Speaker of, of the House of Commons, Mr. Burko, is, is stepping down, which I also think is very unusual. He's a Remainer. So there's something, there's a big shakeup going on right now in the United Kingdom. They're heading for a general election. Uh, and they got it on the date that uh, Prime Minister Johnson wanted to hold the election on, which was December 12th. And that was another surprise because apparently the uh, uh, Liberal Democrats, I believe it was, were trying to get a date a little bit earlier than that. But anyway, it's all very complicated. But what's interesting to me is I finally found a copy of the entire text of the deal that Prime Minister Johnson has negotiated with Jean-Claude Juncker of the European Union. Now, you know me. I don't, you know, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. If I were in Great Britain, I would be a Brexiter. In other words, get the heck out of the EU. We don't want the Germans running our country like <laughs> Mrs. Merkel has run Germany. But um, I know there's probably some remainers in this audience, and it's odd to me because I, in listening to Mr. Farage's show, he had a call from a few remainers that said that, you know, even though they're in favor of remaining in the European Union, they're sick of this process and they need to get out to honor the, the referendum. But well, anyway, I finally found a full text of the deal and it's, I'm going to link it for you uh, on the website in the, on the website once this posts from the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail in Great Britain posted the full text of the agreement. And it's 64 pages long, okay? And when you read it, there's a very few articles, but there's an annex. And the annex, you would not believe. You have to read this annex to really get the full scope of what's going on. Because each and every little picky thing is, is, it looks to me like they're following EU regulations. But I pulled out a few articles from this agreement, from this protocol. It's being called a protocol, which in, in itself is an interesting term to use because that sounds like a term of legal art to me that is more appropriate to a treaty than it is to uh, a memorandum of understanding. But in any case, this looks to me, and why I'm, the reason I'm going to read these articles to you and direct you to the uh, UK Daily Mail's website, is you tell me, you know, if you go through this thing, what you think this is. Is this a treaty or is this just a memorandum of understanding? But I want to point out and read to you the articles in this that really grabbed my attention. Um, and I've heard other people uh, that I've made some quiet, quiet inquiries to uh, in the last couple days add to this. But anyway, let me read a few of these articles to you and a few of the numbered points or sub points in each article. I'm going to be reading from article 12, 13, and 16. So here we go. This is the actual text of what Prime Minister Johnson has negotiated. Quote, Article 12, subsection 4. As regards the second subparagraph of paragraph 2 of this article, Article 5 and Article 7 to 10, the institutions, bodies, offices, and agencies of the Union 
shall in relation to the United Kingdom and natural and legal persons residing or established in the territory of the United Kingdom have the powers conferred upon them by union law. In particular, the Court of Justice of the European Union shall have the jurisdiction provided for in the treaties in this respect. The second and third paragraphs of Article 267 TFEU shall apply to and in the United Kingdom in this respect. So in other words, if you are, the way I'm reading that, if you are a citizen of any member nation of the European Union residing in Great Britain, you remain subject to European Union law should you break the law in Great Britain rather than British law. Okay? That's a big, to me, that's a big uh, sign that whatever sovereignty Britain may have as a result of what I think is a treaty, whatever sovereignty they have under this deal, it's going to be a very limited sovereignty. But wait, there's more. Subsection 5. Acts of the institution, bodies, and offices, and agencies of the Union adopted in accordance with paragraph 4 shall produce in respect of and in the United Kingdom the same legal effects as those which they produce within the Union and its member states. Now, again, this sounds to me like a very broad brush. It's the same broad uh, general welfare clause in the American Constitution in the preamble through which they have driven truckloads of nonsense. And this sounds to me like what they're really saying is if the European Union passes or amends its laws, those laws also become effective in the United Kingdom. So this sounds to me like a back door through which they could still basically remain in control. And again, there's more. Listen carefully. Subsection 6. When representing or assisting a party in relation to administrative procedures arising from the exercise of the powers of the institutions, bodies, offices, and agencies of the union, referred to in paragraph 4, lawyers authorized to practice before the courts or tribunals of the United Kingdom shall in every respect be treated as lawyers authorized to practice before the courts or tribu tribunals of member states who represent or assist a party in relation to such administrative procedures. So in other words, they allow the British lawyers <laughs> to be able to uh, go and represent their point before the European courts. And that's a key because we're coming to it. Paragraph 7. In cases brought before the Court of Justice of the European Union pursuant to paragraph 4, Subsection A, the United Kingdom may participate in the proceedings before the Court of Justice of the European Union in the same way, listen to these words, as a member state. Subsection B, lawyers authorized to practice before the courts or tribunals of the United Kingdom may represent or assist a party before the Court of Justice of the European Union in such proceedings and shall in every respect be treated as lawyers authorized to practice before the courts or tribunals of the member states 
representing or assisting a party before the Court of Justice of the European Union. So why all this reference to the Court of Justice of the European Union? Well, Article 13, subsection 2. Notwithstanding Article 4, Paragraphs 4 and 5 of the Withdrawal Agreement, the provisions of this protocol referring to union law or to concepts or provisions thereof shall in their implementation and application, listen carefully, be interpreted in conformity with the relevant case law of the Court of Justice of the European Union. So in other words, all British legal case precedent has no standing in adjudicating these types of cases before the Court of the European Union. So in other words, let's go back to our original premise. If you are a a citizen of a nation that's a member of the European Union residing in Great Britain and a legal difficulty arises, it's adjudicated in the European Union's Court of Justice according to European Union law and not according to British law. So in other words, you know, when I resided in the United Kingdom, you know, when I was studying at Oxford, I was subject to British law, not American law. <laughs> okay. But now all of a sudden we have a situation that's to me it sounds it sounds kooky. It sounds like what they're saying is Unlike any other place in the world, our citizens are subject to our law when they're in your country. <laughs> okay. It's, anyway, continuing here, folks. <laughs> the first subsection paragraph here is uh, really interesting. If the application of this, pardon me, this is Article 16, subsection 1. If the application of this protocol leads to serious economic, societal, or environmental difficulties that are liable to persist, or to diversion of trade, the Union or the United Kingdom may unilaterally take appropriate safeguard measures. Now, <laughs> I don't know exactly what that means, but when you're talking in the context of everything being referred to the European Court of Justice, that sounds awful fishy. Now, I may be reading that whole, that whole article of this quote-unquote protocol uh, a little oddly here, but <laughs> it strikes me as odd. I don't know what it strikes you guys as. Anyway, to continue, such safeguard measures shall be restricted with regard to their scope and duration to what is strictly necessary in order to remedy the situation, <laughs> all right? And again, this is, this is like the general welfare clause in the United States Constitution. This is so vague that you can drive truckloads of you-know-what, uh, I'm going to call it bullshit, <laughs> through all of this language. And now, here it is. If a safeguard measure taken by the Union or the United Kingdom, as the case may be, in accordance with paragraph one, creates an imbalance between the rights and obligations, listen carefully, creates an imbalance in the rights and obligations under this protocol, the Union or the United Kingdom, as the case may be, may take such proportionate rebalancing measures as are strictly necessary to remedy the imbalance. 
Priority shall be given to such measures which will least disturb the functioning of this protocol. Now, remember that one of the things that they listed in the first paragraph was economic, societal, or environmental difficulties. So we're supposed to take those three words, economic, societal, or environmental, and apply them to the context behind imbalance. So you could start saying economic imbalance. And when you start using that, the language, when you view it in that context, the language of that particular part of the protocol sounds to me uh, not just a little bit, but horribly Marxist. And remember, all of this in the context that it's going to be EU court of justice law that prevails. And folks, this has just been a page and a half of a 64-page document. Um, I was literally dumbfounded when I read the minutia of regulatory details that are still going to be applicable in the United Kingdom if this and I, I'm going to be I'm going to follow Nigel Farage here because I happen to agree with him. I think this is a treaty. It's not a protocol or a memorandum of understanding. So anyway, I want to um, I want to hear about you guys. What do you guys think about this? If you've read this treaty or uh, are inclined not to, and just uh, go on the basis of what I've read to you, I want to hear from you because, uh, particularly those of you in the United Kingdom. So you know, send me the comments. They'll show up in my uh, email inbox. But uh, it's 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 just uh, <laughs> to me. <clears throat> It couldn't be a more duplicitous document, <laughs> but, but that's just me. Anyway, before I go, folks, tomorrow we do have a vid chat. Now, we're going to have three vid chats this month. Um, I, I decided to throw in a bonus vid chat. So there's going to be a vid chat tomorrow night uh, that will start at 6.30 U.S. Central Time. As always, I'll be in there early uh, for the pre-chat and so on. There will be another one next weekend, a week from tomorrow, and then yet another one two weeks from tomorrow. Check the check out the vid chat schedule uh, on the website. I think I did give myself uh, a week break, but there will be three vid chats next month. I've had to front load them this month because of the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States. And also I'm going to be front loading the vid chats in the month of December as well because of uh, the Christmas holiday. So uh, keep your keep your eyes on the vid chats. Get your questions in, emailed to me, please. Um, but anyway, that's it. And again, I want to thank everybody for all the great vid, uh, the great articles that you sent me over the last week that I was absent. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you on the flip side. This Brexit thing is <laughs> it's going to be very interesting to watch if indeed it ever happens. So hang in there, folks. Bye-bye and God bless.